Rather than reading the scripture at the very beginning today, I will going, I'm going to be reading as I go along. And so if you want to read along, I will be in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. May the Lord bless our reading together of this living word. And may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is a friend of mine that I have an ongoing debate with. Well, I'm not sure you can really call it a debate if it's just in your head, um, but I don't have the energy to argue with him, and I'm winning. You know, you know how that is. He says things like, all they talk about in church is love, love, love. I mean, when are we going to talk about sin? When are we going to talk about judgment? God is much more than just love. And all I want to do is shout, no, no, you've got it all wrong. In that Hebrew Bible story that Pastor Jennifer talked about, God, the whole story is about chesed. Steadfast love. It's the word used for God most in the whole Hebrew Bible, which is most of the Bible. God is love. Pure, unadulterated, unconditional love. Love is all that there is. Love is the only thing that can change us. Love is the only thing that can save us. Love is the only thing that can heal us. Love is the only thing that can awaken us to our true potential that we all have. Not scolding, not threats or ultimatums, not punishment. Love and only love. But I get what he's saying. I understand that our love talk falls flat for him. We throw that love word around so much that it's a cliche. It doesn't mean much of anything. In our popular imagination, we romanticize love as a feeling that comes upon us suddenly without our choosing. And so, is there any surprise when we give up when we're just not feeling it? Is there any surprise that we often give up or blame the other person when it's hard to love messy, broken people in real life, complicated relationships? Our love talk is often so saccharine, so sugary, sweet. We make love out to be weak need and backboneless. We act as if loving someone means just letting them get away with those things that hurt them or hurt other people. We think loving someone means, well, I don't judge. You do you. No matter how harmful that person's thinking or behavior is. And if that's all we can say about God, then I agree with my friend. We have to say much more. The good news this morning is that Jesus says more and shows us more about who God is. About what love is. Jesus shows us this divine love that accepts us and loves us just as we are. But loves us too much to leave us there. After waiting around in Jerusalem a few days, Simon Peter went home. 
He had run with John and Mary to the empty tomb and seen the grave clothes folded up neatly where the body had been. He was in the house when the other disciples, when Jesus came through locked doors and showed Him His hands and His side. He was there when Jesus came back to them and breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. But for some reason, Peter and his friends didn't wait around in Jerusalem to see what would happen next. They went home. In chapter 21, verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And He showed Himself in this way. We know that Jesus is about to show up. But for all Simon Peter and his buddies knew, Jesus They were done with Jesus, and Jesus was done with them. Especially Peter. You know, Peter had denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed on the night of Jesus' arrest. So even if it was possible for Jesus to rise from the dead, even if it was possible for the power of the resurrected Jesus to work through all those other disciples after His death, it didn't feel possible to Peter that Jesus would want anything to do with him anymore. So he went back to fishing. Verse 2, gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is starting to sound familiar. Peter and his friends had fished all night and caught nothing the day they became disciples. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered Him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. Deja vu. It dawned on John and then Peter. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. You know that Simon always just jumping right in. But the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of that fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask Him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to Him and did the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. But Jesus knew that wasn't enough for Peter. Jesus knew the hold that shame had on Peter. I say shame and not guilt. Guilt rightly understood is that is God-given and good. It's that pinprick of consciousness that tells us we have done wrong and we can do better. Without it, none of us could grow or change. Jesus wanted Peter to feel that guilt. 
But shame is not from God. It happens when we go from feeling bad about what we've done or left undone to feeling bad about who we are. From honestly assessing where we went wrong to thinking that something is wrong with us. Brené Brown says that shame comes from the myth of perfectionism that we all carry. As much as we know we can't be perfect, that to be imperfect is just to be human, we cannot tolerate our imperfection, our failure. Some of us more than others. I'm a perfectionist. I struggle with this. Hear this. Anne Lamott says, Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people, it will keep you cramped and insane your whole life. Now imagine how cramped and insane Peter must have been feeling right about then. Jesus knew the only way to break the hold of Peter's shame, the only way to awaken his true potential, was love. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Meaning these other disciples. And I think that's for a very specific reason. In the Gospel of Matthew, Peter boasts, though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. And though Peter answers yes, Jesus asks two more times. Understandably, Peter is hurt. It must have felt like Jesus was turning the knife, putting salt on the wound. Do you remember when you said you were more loyal than anyone else? That you loved me more than anyone else? And what happened, man? It must have felt to Peter like Jesus was questioning his love to shame him publicly before the other disciples. I mean, some of us have been recipients of this so-called tough love. And we probably believed we deserved it. And some of us, understandably in our pain, have done this to friends and loved ones who have betrayed us. But that is not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is loving Peter. Jesus, Jesus is trying to awaken Peter's true potential. His potential that's hidden beneath that shame. His potential that wasn't broken or erased by the worst thing he had ever done. Jesus is trying to awaken this potential to love God and to love others, that twofold capacity that is the only thing that can ever make us come fully alive. Jesus is trying to remind Peter of the image of God stamped on each of us from the moment we were first knit together in our mother's wombs, that Jesus sees and names even when we can't see it. I think that's why Jesus had Peter answer the question three times. Not to relive his threefold denial, but to give him the capacity to move past it. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Peter is right. 
Jesus does know everything. Jesus knows that Peter loves him. But you know what I think the question is that Jesus is really getting at? Is Peter, do you know? Do you know what I know about you? Jesus wanted Peter to be able to look in the mirror and say, yes, I am capable of denial and betrayal. And yes, I am capable of also being loyal and brave in love. That and is so important and so rare for us. We live in an either or kind of culture and society. We tend to be dualistic in our thinking. We want to see this world, this complicated world as black or white. We want to see ourselves and others as a good or bad. I say want because deep down we know it's more complicated. We know that life is all mixed up and gray. We know that we are all mixed up. Pure intentions and bad choices. Mixed motives and good deeds. Paul speaks for all of us when he says, I, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do. We know it, but we resist the truth. Because we want to make ourselves and others to be all good or all bad so that we can be completely worthy or see them as completely unworthy. And tragically, we make God in our own image. We talk about God as if God loves like we do. As Frederick William Ferber writes, as we will sing in a few moments, we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. Imagine what you or I would do if we were sitting across that fire from Peter. In our narrow view of love, Jesus, we think that Jesus would have probably been justified in never speaking to Peter again. I mean, Peter left him on the most important night of his life. In our narrow view of love, Jesus would have been exceedingly generous to forgive Peter and let him go on with his life as a fisherman. But Jesus does more. He forgives Peter and draws him closer. When people betray us, we usually hold them at arm's length, and that's usually a good thing because we need to have boundaries. We need to protect ourselves. But Jesus pulls him in closer. He puts Peter in a greater position of trust to carry forward His name and to care for people called by His name. Jesus expects more from Peter, not less. Jesus knows that Peter's shame, his humiliation, can be the thing that haunts him the rest of his life as he throws out those nets and wonders what might have been. Or, or it can be transformed into a new beginning marked by Peter's humble reliance on the love of Jesus. Jesus sees Peter's weakness and sin much better than Peter can. He knows this won't be the last time that Peter denies him, the last time Peter fails, but he also knows that there remains in him a great capacity to be a channel for that loyal love of God. And so Jesus extends Peter grace, and Jesus challenges Peter to embrace something bigger than himself, beyond his need to perform, higher than his own aspirations. The love of God that can 
Make him whole until it overflows into the lives of others. Jesus says, if you love me, and I know you do, Peter, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, take care of people. We know what Peter can't know yet. That he will preach the gospel boldly and publicly from Jerusalem to Rome. That he'll be a leader of God's family. That Jesus' movement that becomes the church that would seek out the least and the last and the lost and care for the widows and the orphans and include the outsiders, even Gentiles, which would be us. Peter will struggle so mightily with that. He'll struggle with that spirit of the risen Christ who will continually push him to expand the circle of love beyond his comfort zone. He'll take two steps forward and two steps back. But his life and his death will be remembered for the way Christ's self-giving love was made known. Jesus knew what would happen. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten your belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. Legend has it that Peter would die on a cross too. But that he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not believe he deserved the honor of dying the way that Jesus did. This morning, my friends, Jesus is looking across from you, across from the campfire at you. He's looking into your eyes just as he looked at Peter's. And he's asking, Do you know what I know? Do you know that I see you for? all of who you are. Do you know that I see more than you can see in yourself? All the ways that you fall short of the glory of God. All the ways that you fail to love yourself and love your neighbors. All the ways that you deny Me. And, and, always, and, I see your original goodness. I see potential beyond your wildest dreams. I can do more in you than you could ever even ask or imagine. Do you know what I know? You are not your addiction. You are not the worst mistake you ever made. You're not your biggest regret. You're not your feelings in this moment. You are not that person who your worst critic within you or outside of you says you are. You are so much more with me in you. Do you know what I know? I love you and my loyal love lives within you. Trust me. It's there. I see it. Say yes to my love. Follow me. May we all say yes.